You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this is The Comics Hall. We've got a great show for you today, and we're covering all the new releases from Wednesday, April 7th. That was definitely me just checking the calendar to make sure I was in the correct month, because March just flew by, and now we're in Mm -hmm. April. Um, We are joined today by a fabulous moderator. Jazz, that's you. Hi, I'm Jazz, (laughs) moderator. I had no idea. We are live in just three places today. It's YouTube, Facebook, and the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. So chat with me in the comments. It's great to have you here. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, sorry, guys. We're having a little bit of tech troubles, or we had a little bit of tech troubles today. We've got our alternative here. So uh, you guys will still be able to get your weekly fix. We're just a little bit uh, more low budget today because our producer, Chris, was having some some tech now, issues. Now, hold on. Now, <laughs> <laughs> wait just a gosh darn minute. I downloaded five pictures for this show, okay? <laughs> Well, let's not waste any time. Uh, we're going to dive right into the comic book news for you guys. Uh, a lot of cool trailers dropped this week, plus some oh, yeah. superheroes on the way from DC Comics. So let's let's get right into it. Yes, I'm going to kick us off here. So DC has a new character, everyone. DC Comics has revealed that they will introduce a new superhero in the anthology book, DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration. The character, created by uh, Jean-Louis Yang and Bernard Chang, is called the Monkey Prince and is inspired by the legendary hero of Chinese mythology from Journey to the West. The Monkey Prince will appear in a 12-page story called The Monkey Prince Hates Superheroes, in which he joins forces with Shazam to stop Dr. Savannah. DC Festival of Heroes will hit stores on May 11th. I'm very excited, I, and I I had forgotten to put that one on my poll list. So as soon as they announced and oh, yeah. showed the the really cool concept art cover for the Monkey Prince, uh, put that one right on my poll list. Yes, very 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 excited for that. Um, and then also speaking of uh, this, there's no real segue for this. Everyone speaking of the next thing that is on my notes, uh, Netflix has released the first trailer for Jupiter's legacy. The first live action project in the streaming services deal with Mark Miller, co-creator of wanted kick-ass and Kingsman, the secret service. The series follows the first generation of superheroes and the tensions that arise as they pass the torch to their less heroic children. Generational divides between pulp heroics and superhero uh, celebrity cause family strife and cynicism as the rules of crime fighting begin to change jupiter's legacy premieres on netflix on may 7th yes very very excited for that um i there's gonna you know what i'll save this for our jupiter legacy episode but i've got some things to say about that uh comic and i'm really 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 excited also excited to see uh miller kick off like his like real expensive deal with netflix yeah, this will be really cool. I mean, the budget looked fantastic on the trailer. Uh, yeah. Really, really cool. I'm I'm super into it. And if you're a fan of like Justice League or even The Boys, where mm-hmm. it's not entirely like total parody like The Boys is of of being a superhero, but it definitely does have that. What happens when people are doing it for the glitz and glamour more so than the the down true right. heroics? And also, what does that even mean to a generation of superheroes that are just a really tight knit uh, little crew? That and exactly. I also. I also think Jupiter's Legacy number one is one of the free image firsts available on imagecomics.com. So you can check that out if you're curious enough after watching that trailer, uh, mm-hmm. what the series is all about. But yeah, good for good for Mark Miller. And and I'm sure that this will usher in a wave of success with him and Netflix as well. I hope so. 
Up next, a streaming service that needs no introduction. Uh, Disney Plus and Marvel Studios have released the first official trailer. Everything that we saw before was exclusive clips and sneak peeks. But the first official trailer for Loki, uh, which sees the god of mischief being forced to clean up his mistakes from Avengers Endgame. Because as we know, once he stole the Tesseract, this broke the Marvel Universe timeline and caused a lot of branching universes. Um, I also want people to remember that this Loki that we're going to be seeing in the series is the one who has not had his redemption arc and heartfelt uh, kind of heart to heart with his brother and and sacrifice mm -hmm. himself. This is this is the asshole who just tried to take over New York <laughs> and he's being forced to clean up after himself. So I am thrilled to see the if people are going to feel like oh the character regressed from where we knew i'm like no 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 this is exactly like a new timeline from what we've what we've just seen um he is incarcerated by the time variance authority the tva also known as the uh the same convention center uh hotel that dragon con is hosted at if you're familiar nice. um yeah, I saw a lot of jokes about that with the trailer release. But Loki's adventures <laughs> will take the form of a crime thriller throughout the newly broken Marvel timeline. So can't wait to see what messes we're going to see him clean up when the series premieres on Disney Plus on June 11th. Yes, very excited for that. Uh, Amy, um, wait, nope, we've already used our one bad word. <laughs> I think I think if anyone was going to get the bad word, it was going to be it was going to be broken timeline Loki. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I was wondering uh -huh. how you were going to skirt around cursing there. You that's didn't. our new. That's our new low budget. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, and one more piece of news. Speaking of DC Comics superheroes and television series on the way, uh, writer and executive producer Ava DuVernay has shared some exciting news regarding the upcoming Naomi series from the CW. According to her, the pilot has officially begun filming as of April 6th, and she mm -hmm. tweeted out the news with a photograph of a student. It's probably Naomi McDuffie, who will be played by Casey Walfall. Um, skateboarding down a school hallway uh not much else identifying information in that but officially the pilot has begun filming with that announcement and that tweet and the naomi series will of course be based on the dc character of the same name created by brian michael bendis and david f walker and the show does not currently have a premiere date but it is in motion so that'll be exciting to uh keep an eye on when it comes down the pipeline yeah very exciting i mean still uh still a huge week for uh for comics and for trailers and just you know, uh, comics to uh, a different medium. I, yeah. I would say. It's an exciting time, everyone. Crossing the multiverse, crossing different formats and mediums. It's just, it's just a really big, happy, fun week for comics. It sure is. Yeah. Now, um, Chris, title card. Oh, <laughs> oh darn. <laughs> we don't have any of our beautiful, slick transition title cards, but what we do have for you guys is our weekly haul. We did not do a panel of the week this week, so if you guys uh, noted that and, and missed on it, I'm sorry. Uh, but there was no panel of the week this week. We're going straight into the weekly haul, and we've got our pick of the week at the top here, uh, a fantastic anthology series. Hopefully you guys have all been primed well enough uh, for how anthology comics work with Paul's uh, constant feature of haha from Image Comics, but Image is taking another foray into that uh, that format of storytelling with a horror anthology called The Silver Coin. And this week we got The Silver Coin number one, which is the pairing of uh, writer Chip Zdarsky and then art, colors, and letters by superstar Michael Walsh. Now this is our pick of the week. Super, super fun. Uh, nice, nice little uh, banner there. Boom. Really cool. Check oh, out that creepy banners. cover. There's some amazing amazing uh variants out this week also i believe tula lote and uh, oh i actually because i don't have a green screen behind me i can actually show yeah this is the tula lote variant nice and i picked up i picked up the michael walsh cover nice heck yeah yeah i i think me and amy uh because amy was was fortunate enough to read it um 
just you know th- the other day like a couple of weeks ago so i guess yeah, maybe jumping final right final order cut off so um we will do a light aim of the silver coin but we i am curious amy kind of maybe kicking us off here how did it uh read when you got you know a, a second go at it i really liked i mean i i enjoyed it the first time uh it was given to me in a digital format and you know i'm not the biggest fan of digital comics but i really liked the tactile experience of going through uh, the pages and panels. There's, of course, some really great page turn moments, especially when you when you hit that climax of the the horror element of the story. Uh, mm-hmm. Because unlike Haha, which is kind of that surrealist take on clowns, as the like clowns are the focus, and that's the kind of connecting thread. Right. Every single story in this anthology will be connected by a cursed silver coin. However. None of them play into each other. It's just kind of cyclical tale throughout the ages of uh, horrific, murderous incidents that all involve this same silver coin. And so, in this story, right. we actually get the we get the late seventies as uh, a not very successful rock group are being edged out by the popularity of disco music. And and it's do you want to cling to your art or are you going to sell out and sell your soul literally to a cursed silver coin? Sell out. Yeah. <laughs> thank you paul <laughs> oh i thought it, this is not a put you're not posing a question but um again so yeah this is the silver coin uh this issue written by chip Zdarsky, art colors and letters i believe are all by michael walsh yes um and that will be the case throughout every single issue he he will right. he and the coin will be the connecting thread so walsh will yeah. be the artist on every single one of these but it is rotating writers yeah, which I think is interesting. Um, and I mean, maybe Amy can speak uh, a little more to this, but it is an absolute murderer's row of all pun intended of writers on this. I mean, we've got is, is Kelly Thompson up next. Kelly Thompson is up next. They tease yes. her issue in a very it feels like a very um, horror movie VHS kind of preview. Um, yes. so Kelly Thompson's will be up next with uh, the Girls of Summer. Uh, and that is a 1990s set uh, summer camp slasher with the silver coin. And then we do have uh, the next one is Ed Brisson in June with uh, Death right. Rattle, which will be the story of a home invasion gone bad. And then the final is writer Lemire? is Lemire, but they yeah. have not solicited his uh, issue title or synopsis yet. But those other two are available. The covers are available for view- viewing at imagecomics.com. Um so if we're going for a light aim, I mean, accessibility-wise, mm-hmm. again, this is a true number one, and you can pick and choose. Uh, as this is an anthology and the stories don't connect to each other in a in a linear format um, or in any format besides knowing that there's a cursed silver coin, uh, you right. can pick this one up. You can pick up, you can wait for uh, one of your favorite writers. I believe this is only a four-issue miniseries. Um, oh, okay. That was my next question. Was... Four or five, but I can't. there's not a fifth writer, so I, I, don't, I think yeah, it's only four. I don't think any of the writers are doubling up. I thought maybe Zadarsky no. might uh, bookend this, but I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's just the four for now. Mm-hmm. But if it's successful, uh, I could definitely see this becoming an ongoing story. Um, and and in terms of interest, like like I know most people associate the horror anthology of nowadays with kind of like Black Mirror, but this is absolutely like Twilight Zone, Creep Show, Tales from the Crypt style. Right. Uh, it lacks a narrator, but it does have that very very spooky uh i just oh it just there's a quality to it i can't really explain as it and i without spoiling it just the the narration voice that does occur it's not a it's not an omniscient narrator there's mm -hmm. people speaking on the incident after it happens but the recounting of um, this band if if i may to me it had this like when is the anvil gonna drop 
kind of energy about it. Like, I know it's a horror anthology. Mm -hmm. I know the coin is the connective tissue between all of these books. But to me, it was, when is the thing, like, going to happen? Like, it's not anything – I mean, I hadn't read this. It wasn't – I didn't know um, going in anything else other than the coin is cursed. Um, mm -hmm. I had sort of, as far as the interest goes, I had said I've gotten – um like the green room which mm -hmm. is like a like, like a sort of a a realistic punk horror um movie that had come out uh Anton Yelnick was the the star in that Patrick Stewart's in it I got vibes of that like that gritty that it, you also are really into the band dynamic of it but then it also reminded me of some of the best stories of like of I, I brought it up earlier of like supernatural um, where you have these crossroad demons who make these deals with mm -hmm. people. Um, and then you normally see, you know, Sam and Dean pull up and then whoever he just made the deal with goes off. This is like following the person that just went off and made this deal and seeing what the uh, other side of this coin looks like when you sell your soul for this thing. Now, again, um, we are completely spoiler free. Um, I should say just show. I don't think we'll be a podcast this week, but um as far as a show goes one of the if i may it's, i don't think it's too spoilery but one of the things that i love is that um michael walsh and specifically in this issue chip zadarsky doesn't try to give you an explanation of the what and the why of the coin like right. it, it they just kind of steer into the fact that it's evil yeah it's very much a monkey's paw kind of like you yeah. don't have to know the the specific science and metaphysics of why this thing is evil it's just some sometimes you just need a down and dirty horror story where you've got an undeniably cursed relic and by gosh you're gonna get some deaths following but um going back to the idea of when is the anvil gonna drop i want to give kudos to i mean michael walsh and chip zadarsky created a great story and and really does build that tension um uh, but in controlling the lettering and the artwork there's a really masterful execution of that moment that is not only the artwork, but it is the lettering. As the lettering starts to fall apart. So if you're reading this one this week, pay specific attention to the lettering. And if you feel uncomfortable looking at the way the words are depicted on the page, that's when you know things are about to go down. And it is so, so cool uh, the way that that was done. Because mostly page turn reveals are saved for like a, a dot, dot, dot. And then you flip and it's the artwork. But this this actually incorporated the lettering into the gut punch, um, which was just it was just beautiful. And I'm so I am so excited that the Kelly Thompson is going to be a summer slasher oh, yeah. uh, story because like that's I'm all about final girls and and like 80s movies uh, for horror and stuff. And so like it's set in the 90s, but it's going to be it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be great. I also loved, um, you know, you were kind of. Uh, touching on the coloring of it i loved like in the beginning of it it was like different um scenes had very definitive colors mm -hmm. um and then one particular color is used to showcase like in my opinion dread and basically the entire comic is in that color for the rest of it in the, in that color filter um mm -hmm. and i loved it because it's such a very i think with michael walsh being able to control the art the colors and the lettering like you just have so much say like you do all the crafting and then you're like okay chip then you can he can kind of go in and do his bit so i i wonder almost if some of this book was done backwards mm. uh, which we don't really see very often obviously you know normally it's it's script and then to um to art which again i'm not 100 sure of that amy you could probably speak to that a little more but um 
I wonder if this book was almost done backwards, like Walsh sort of had already plotted the stories, what they look like, and then it was up to Zdarsky to kind of capture their voice. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, that would actually be a question for Chip himself, but but undeniably, so, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I wish, uh, but undeniably having Walsh be the consistent artistic thread throughout the rest of the the stories, I think will really um, make this a unique anthology experience that is visually cohesive throughout, even if the the narrative is is distinct for each one. I think that'll make a really, really fun experience. Yeah. And in terms of monetary, this is $3.99 and every installment of the series will be $3.99. So you guys can can check that out uh, guilt-free. So it, Completely all it costs free. is one silver coin or four uh, $4 if you've got that instead. <laughs> you don't want to give $4. Up, don't, don't, don't mess with the coin. Give up your cursed silver coin. Uh, but no. yeah, that's that's our pick of the week. It was just so exciting, and I was so, so glad to get a chance to look at that early. I've been excited since Image Comics announced it. We actually covered it as a news item on the show. So I love that. I love that items that we cover in the news get to come back up months later as fully realized books or television shows that are dropping. Uh, mm -hmm. So that that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll... Uh... I mean, if it's anything like haha, -ha, I will cover it every week. So, <laughs> you know, I'm covering the Kelly Thompson one. So, <laughs> no, no, I, Amy's oh. my boss, I'm pretty sure. So, <laughs> um, all right. So, we are going to move into our next segment, everyone, which is we're going to take, uh, you know, there's two books that we, uh, you know, we've read a lot of books, but there's two of them that we really want to aim for you all. Now, again, whether this is your first show or at least your 15th show. I'm not 100% sure, but really quickly, our Chris, cut away. Oh, <laughs> we've, been, we've been spoiled, Amy. Um, I know, we have. So our AIM segment, very simply, is an acronym, and be, it's because we don't, it's how we rate books, because we don't like to assign books a numerical value, because as we like to say, a two to us might be a 10 for you. It's completely subjective. So AIM stands for... Uh, the A is for accessibility. How easy is it to pick up the book and read? Also, how easy is it to find the book? Is it going to sell out by the time you get to your LC, your local comic shop? Um, and then I is interest. Who would like this book? And then another you know side of that silver coin is what is the um, what is the, the maybe the general interest in that book around the comic book industry? Yeah, and is then it a speculator thing, hot book already, or is it uh, kind of a sleeper? 25. <laughs> um, or uh and then and then m is is money or the as amy likes to say the monetary investment how much are you paying and what are you getting for your dollars so that's what aim is so we will jump right in oh i will jump right in i'm up first um so really quickly here um oh one second Paul is managing oh. the mix board today for bringing. I up am. I'm doing pictures. multiple things, believe it or not. Um, oh, I am covering Geiger number one by Image Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank, and colors by Brad Anderson, and the um, lettering by Rob Lay. So that is what I. That's the book that I am going to be aiming for you all. Give me one second. Boom, Geiger number one. Um, look at who needs a Chris, right? <laughs> We do. I or we I do. absolutely do. Um so um really simply I um I guess just getting right into the um the aim of it, the accessibility. It is a true number one. Um as I think have we already mentioned that on the show? I don't even know. I feel like I this think hour. I, 
I think I briefly mentioned it for, for Silvercoin, but didn't really um, elaborate. It, basically, we like to say something is a true number one when you can literally pick it up and not have read a comic book in your life. And everything that you need to know is in between those pages. So um, there's no really prerequisites to jumping into that book. This is one of those books. Um, now, as far as how easy is it to find, it should be pretty easy to find. This is a pretty popular book by an all-star uh, creative team. Um, so I think, I mean, and there's a couple of variants. I picked up a couple as well. Um, now the eye, as far as the interest goes, it's, it's interesting. I guess that's why it's in the acronym. Um, <laughs> to me, it was, it's a mix of a lot of things. Um, it, this book is, is pretty on the surface at first. So everything that you get is pretty much surface level. There's not a lot of deeper meanings behind, you know, the, the things being written, uh, for this book. But the reason is I think because, um, Jeff Johns and, and Gary Frank and Brad Anderson, they realize that they have crafted a huge world in this book. Um, and they need to sort of get all the information out before they can start getting into these individual stories. And, um, there's actually a really handy map in the back matter, which is the, like after the actual story is over, there's some like fun pages. There's a map of like, it's, I guess kind of a spoiler, but it's like a new Vegas, which is also why I had wrote in my notes that it's a mix of fallout, the book of Eli and game of Thrones. So if at huh. least two of those three interests you, um, I, I think you would like this book. Um, the game of Thrones sort of comparison will become very apparent sort of towards the end um, of Geiger number one. But there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of um, – it's sort of if, – if you were with us for our Noctera when we had Scott Snyder on, we said that you know Scott sort of just drops you in the middle of these um, huge worlds that he's creating and then very slowly um, you know, deals out cards of information and very, very slowly. And Jeff Johns you know, does something very similarly here with this um but also and gary frank because gary frank who is the main artist on this also did a lot of the plotting for this so a lot of the story uh can be attributed to him as well so um it's great i think really um the only thing that kind of took me out of it was there's some there's a lot of exposition um but once you get past page six it it just rolls it's real fast um and again it's beautiful to look at uh, gary frank and brad anderson are absolute legends um, they've worked with pretty much everyone, mainly DC is where I know them from, but there are a couple pages in here, some splash pages that really, you know, I, th I think we're top tier. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fun book. If you are a post-apocalyptic wasteland fan, uh, you will like this book. There's a little more that I think, um, I'll read probably issue two and three. I usually give, uh, books about three issues, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a big book. There is, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on that creative team's shoulders because they're all pretty big names. So the expectation is high. Um, and I think they deliver with Geiger number one here. And then as far as the M in AIM, the monetary investment, it's only $3.99 and you're getting 32 pages of comic. There are, there are no ads in here, not until like the very, very end, um, past even the back matter. And then it, it is an ongoing. I, as far as I know, it's not a... Um, going to be a, a, a mini series or a maxi series so that's it's geiger number one yeah go pick it up should be able to find it it's a good book 
All right. I'm covering another big release this week. Uh, this is from Boom Studios. I've got Magic Number 1, also known as Magic the Gathering Number 1. Uh, but that one was specifically... Uh, it's just titled Magic. I did pick up this week. I picked up the basic variant, but there are some hidden Planeswalkers covers. There there we go. Uh, as well as a, a whole slew of really awesome variants for this. So uh, as you may have been able to surmise, this is, of course, based on the massive gaming franchise of Magic. Uh, this was written by Jed McKay with art by Ig Guara, uh, colors by Ariana Consani, and letters by Ed Dukesher. Um, now I'm going to preface this by saying I have never once played Magic the Gathering in my life. I have sold it. I worked at a comic book store, of course. Uh, <laughs> I know my Zendikar and my Ravnica and, uh, that's about it. But, uh, technically this issue is a true number one. It starts with an introduction that there's kind of a magic multiverse and the, the universe of the, the games is somewhat a little separate from the story that you're about to see in the comic. Um, it does a great job of introducing concepts from the game franchise. It actually starts with a big introduction about the idea of magic, the planeswalkers, uh, and then the central setting is Ravnica, and it introduces the uh, guildmasters, the planeswalkers. Um, but I'm going to be completely honest, at a certain point in the story, it did feel like I'm missing something. This feels like it's explicitly... Uh, for fans of the Magic the Gathering franchise. However, I think fans of uh, fantasy in general will be able to find something to love here. Um, mm -hmm. There is a point where they do get into a lot of high fantasy technical terminology. Uh, I can't even remember, but like like names for power batteries and and technology that they have in that universe is like very, very specifically that world. Um, it's not difficult to figure out from context, but I'm sure some of it is more of a like, hey, that's a name drop for people who collect mm -hmm. the cards and play the actual game. So that there was a level of disconnect for me versus a straight Dungeons and Dragons based uh, story. But as you may or may not know, of course, it is a Wizards of the Coast property. And they even did a Dungeons and Dragons compendium called Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica that brought magic concepts into Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, there's a lot of places uh, that that can go. That's a little bit of my uh, interest as well. So if you're if you're a fan of the game franchise and you're a comic book reader, this is directly catered to you. Nice. Um but it also, if you're a fan of uh, Critical Role Origins, other fantasy properties, Dungeons and Dragons, and I also want to say Rat Queens, but not for the humor, but for the high fantasy. There wasn't a whole lot of laugh out loud uh, storytelling. This is a bit more of a high fantasy, uh, takes itself seriously story. Um, for fans who are out there listening, who are familiar with magic, it includes the Orzov Syndicate, the Izet League, and the Golgari Swarm. Uh, and then there are characters like Jace and other known planeswalkers from the series. So I very much felt like uh, Jace gets a whole page reveal when he shows up, and it very much felt like a yeah for people who would know who that character is. It felt like one of those moments that like people this would be people cheering in the theater uh, in Endgame for fans of, <laughs> of Magic. Maybe that's a little too intense, but it definitely no no uh, that's that's all I'm envisioning now. <laughs> definitely feels uh, more suited for for people who are uh, already steeped in the lore somewhat. Right. Um, but I, I still really enjoyed it. Um, the general plot, which is not a spoiler, it was released in the preview, is that, uh, general spoiler, um, that uh, there are assassins targeting the planeswalkers. And the planeswalkers are people with the unique property to, as you guessed, walk different planes of the multiverse. And so uh, there are people who are strategically mm -hmm. trying to kill them, uh, and they have to figure out why, while also maintaining the peace between the guilds. Um, it's a beautiful comic, very, very lush. Uh, if you play Neverwinter or... Uh, not quite Final Fantasy style, but if you play those kind of uh, 
large scale open world games. It definitely has that uh, fantasy MMORPG feel as well. Uh, now the money uh, or the M in the aim here, it's $4.99 for this first issue. I don't believe every single issue will be $4.99. I think it's $3.99 from here on out. Uh, and it is 32 pages without advertisements. So you can uh, really just read right through and get a really nice chunk of story. There is some uh, pages at the end that are previewing for other Boom Studios series. They do a great oh, job yeah. of giving you previews. I think this one is the many, the many deaths of Layla Starr. I think is the series uh, preview, but you get so you get you get twenty eight pages of magic story plus four pages right. of Boom Studio bonus stuff. Um, but this was a this was a fun release. It's a huge release. Uh, also in terms of accessibility, I believe it is sold out at the distributor level. But you're that me that means every store ordered like a billion copies. So you right. definitely should be able to find this any store you are able to walk into. Otherwise, it's on Comicsology. So that is magic number one from Boom Studios. Yeah, and you know I wonder, Amy, if. Because I don't have this information. I mean, I know we have supercomputers, you know, in our pockets and in our hands. But I wonder, when was the last time, like, a huge Magic the Gathering comic had come out? Like, I can't think. I mean, aside from this, obviously. Yeah, I uh, I actually don't know yeah. because I haven't tracked it so much. Um, definitely, it's been a while because the last big cross-platform Magic thing that I can remember was the release of, of Guild Masters of Ravnica. Right. Uh, or Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica for Dungeons and Dragons. But it's, I mean, it's definitely always there and they're releasing a new set of cards every three months or so. I actually think the Strixhaven is the next game set that's coming out like very, very soon. They're taking pre-orders for it at my local comic store. Uh, but this is definitely a big, really cool release that shows it's not just a card game. I mean, it is a massive right. franchise and I think there's online adaptations of Magic. Uh, just adds play as, well. as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, as two uh, expert Magic: The Gathering, um, you know, you know, players, me being me and Amy, uh, we both, <laughs> I would say, we recommend this book, especially if you are an actual fan of it or like a long-term fan of it. Yeah, and I would actually love to hear from anyone who has played the game to some extent if they read yeah. this comic. Um, how did those character appearances feel? Were those like? cool cameos was that really exciting or was i not missing as much as i was expecting that i'm missing by not having played the game because there's no right. i know there was no talk of mana i was prepared to go in for like color magic colors and mana but that's kind of just a general concept in the world they don't really uh hmm. take the time to um kind of point that out to you okay, okay. yeah well good stuff. good stuff yeah um so the next book that um we are going to aim for you is the one that i am picking up and it is green lantern number one this is uh this is a new uh number one this is the first green lantern title proper in the post future state or technically the it says it literally right there paul um infinite frontier era of dc comics so hold on I'm doing a couple things here, guys. Um, so you know, I'd help you if I could. <laughs> she's like, but I can't, you know. So, um, so again, this is um, Green Lantern number one, of course, by DC Comics, written by Jeffrey Thorne, um, art by Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci, and colors Alex Sinclair, and letters by Bernard Chang. Um, this is a really, really so jumping right into the aim here. Um, this is a pretty unique book as far as. Um, all of the stuff that DC, um, all the number ones, I should say that DC has posted directly following the, uh, future state. I mean, you've got suicide squad, you've got the crime syndicate and quite a few others that are, you know, coming down the road swamp thing. This is the only one again, 
into the A, the accessibility, that I have found that you really need to have read Future State to have um, enjoyed it. Uh, Rob, uh, Honey Bear Coacher, who is our um, who is our moderator, normally he was having some some Wi-Fi issues, so we were lucky enough to sign Jasmine for the day. Yeah, when, there goes our whole budget. That's why we're doing getting StreamYard <laughs> today. Um, so uh, he'd actually read it, and he's like, hey, I wanted to just he wanted to read all the books that we were aiming today. I mean, I don't even know if I told you that. Uh, oh, really? He, he took all of them up and he read all of them. And he, of course, he likes Silver Coin. Um, and but one of the comments that he made about Green Lantern is absolutely true. Um, and this kind of does what I was saying about Geiger and Scott Snyder, where they kind of drop you in the middle of a world. Um, it does so, but it really does require you to have read Future State. I think. Um, now that is the Future State Green Lantern number one and number two. Um, also, uh, apparently it helps if you've also been reading Far Sector, which I have not been reading Far Sector. I am oh. actually behind on it, but the the new uh, council that ha is all um, in play now, there's a whole new uh, planet. They're no longer on Mogo. Mogo is its own sentient um, you know, being elsewhere now, helping patrol some of the unknown sectors, which is sector zero, one, two, three. Um, all of the, you know, the popular table of Green Lanterns, they are all, all of the Earth-based ones are all doing different things. But this is a story solely focused on uh, John Stewart. And you've also got Simon Boz. But of course, it is focusing on the teen lantern, Kelly Quintela, who is a who is brand new to the Green Lantern universe, and I I love it um, because I feel like Jeffrey Thorne kind of captured her voice pretty well. Uh, she's really funny and she's really challenging uh, to to Ganthet and some of the other Guardians. Um, they don't understand why she doesn't just do what she's told. Um, <laughs> you know, and aside from being human, uh, there's a fun joke in there. It's like. Not only are humans difficult, but also Latinas. And so it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, man. I mean, I get it. And so it's really, it's a really fun book. Uh, they do a really great job of um, balancing the amount of like John Stewart you get, who is someone that I think you can immediately relate to and cling on to because, um, you know, you've known him forever depending on what you've been reading mm -hmm. um and then also get giving uh kelly uh, Quintala enough time to shine but you also get simon boz in here quite a bit too which is great um and so that is sort of my i guess that's the accessibility of it um it it is not as accessible as some of these other number ones are uh like if you have read swamp things or swamp thing uh in, in the rom v era like you don't really need to have read a lot of future state because um what we've come to learn about future state is those are all things that could possibly happen they are not like the definitive future because now you have the omniverse and that may exist somewhere else but then as soon as the timeline is fixed that uh, future state, you know, verse, if you will, is is gone. So it's all very DC sort of uh, steering into the everything counts and everything is important, which I love because just keep telling stories. I, yeah, I don't. That, I think that really opens up writers to have a lot of freedom to tell stories instead of going. I have to jump through seventy five hoops exactly. to make sure I'm compliant with timeline B twenty seven from like twenty mm -hmm. years ago for this one specific story. I think I think the idea of like every story could be valid and counts. Uh, I think that's, that's really liberating for creatives who want to tell these stories. Yes. 
Um, and so I completely agree. Um, one of the, like the best examples of it is Joel Jones, who's doing Yara Flores Wonder Woman. Like they're just letting her go nuts with that character uh, because she is perfect for writing that character. Mm -hmm. um, so I absolutely love it. And this is very similar. I think they're going to let Jeffrey Thorne and Dexter Soy um, and the rest of the team sort of go nuts and really sort of craft and develop uh, Kelly Quintela so that when she is in other parts of the DC universe in a Justice League book or something, she's sort of got a concrete personality that they can at least pull from. And it feels like that's what they're doing. Um, the only knock, again, that I have on this book is it definitely requires you to have read Future State, um, Green Lantern, or else you're going to not understand why, you know, why Jon Stewart is in, like, uh, a robe almost the whole time. And you're like, where are they? Where are we? Um, <laughs> it, and so, again, you know, as far as the interest goes, if you're a Green Lantern fan, if you are a fan of Jon Stewart, um, or, if, I mean, if you're kind of like me, you know, personally, like, I love when they just put new characters into like a huge book that is existing because it sort of forces uh, the writers to be creative with how the other characters interact. Um, very similar to how, you know, uh, Amy had written in our, in our notes about the, um, the new monkey Prince character. Like mm -hmm. that's going to be exciting to see how this new character who has no lore interacts with these characters who have almost a hundred years of lore. Almost so, have too much lore. <laughs> almost too much lore. Yes. Um, so, and, and then of, of course I, um, I, I love Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci's art in this. It's, it's, it's really clean. There's a lot of moments in this book that have a lot of characters and it doesn't feel um, like a lot of the characters don't feel capped, which I learned that word, which is CAP, which means copy and pasted which I didn't know is a thing that happens, but it does. Uh, you know, I mean, they're just background characters, but it doesn't feel like a lot of these characters were capped. So um, it, it was great. I really, really love this book. I'll be picking it up. I, if I haven't mentioned the Green Lantern is my favorite superhero, um, which sort of, um, let's see. Oh, which I guess we have a question now, I guess. Well, in StreamYard Jazz, I can bring you on or I can just pull the comment up. What do you want to do? Thumbs, I can see you. Thumbs up if you want to be brought out or thumbs down if you just hate us and you want me to just put a comment. <laughs> I can't see, so my feelings won't be hurt either way. She's like, oh, no, I very well understand that you hate. Okay, I'm going to bring Jazz on now. Hi. Hey, Jazz. Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, Tenji Misaki in the Let Your Geek Side show group wants to know, do you think there are too many Green Lanterns from Earth now? Oh. That's a good question. That's a that's a great question. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, so I I don't I wouldn't say that like personally there are um, too many. Thank you, Jazz, very much. Um, I wouldn't say there are too many. I think it is. What happens is a lot of these writers that I feel like just start introducing characters that are as relatable as possible. Um, and we sort of, they sort of like lose track of that, but it is a, a plot line, even in like Grant Morrison's Green Lantern, um, and multiple Green Lantern, um, runs that the guardians are playing favorites because mm -hmm. some of the best Green Lanterns of all time have come from specifically sector 2814. So, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Hey, 
love some Earth representation. I was going to say, if I might, as a as a casual Green Lantern fan, I did read Sam Humphrey's Green Lanterns for Rebirth, and I've also read Far Sector, and I've 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 dallied with the lanterns here and there. Um, totally, what Paul was saying, I think it's it's really easy to. Um, identify lanterns from all different walks of life on earth that make them as relatable as possible to different readers. I think uh, on a technical side, if you were to overload with aliens and yes, the galaxy is vast and there are so many sectors and you could have aliens from anywhere. When you create those aliens, not only do you need a cool design, but you also kind of need to establish an entirely separate civilization that feels distinct. Uh, There's a lot of heavy lifting that goes into introducing a character from a completely made up, uh, species somewhere else in the galaxy and well I'm sure I mean at, I'm, that's not to say these writers aren't creative enough to do that that's a lot of of work to ask because then the readers do need to feel like well I need to know where they come from to understand what's going on right. with their character and I know they're all identified by the the lantern ring itself but I think I don't think there's too many from earth I think that's where most I mean, that's like saying there's too many superheroes from Earth in general. I mean, that's the that's the planet we know. Um, so I think that's I. You don't have to look all the way throughout the galaxy to find the best stories to tell. Um, that, that's not to say there shouldn't be any alien Green Lanterns, of course, because that'd be blasphemy. But can you really ever have too many if the stories are no, good and interesting I mean, and and you're and getting different people like like teenagers and and uh, just people from all different walks of life being called for the same reason. And there are a ton of like you know um, of other aliens that like you've got Kilowog, you've got Salik, you've got like all of these other great Green Lanterns who are part of the mythos. But you know, I mean, again, if I'm 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 solely approaching this question from like the current continuity is that our Earth, you know, Earth Prime, whatever you want to call it, is like the center of the omniverse. Um, so it's the rings just sort of gravitate towards there, um, and I do like how um guy gardner had put it and because again there's this has been addressed before in comics and like why are they all from earth and basically he's like oh well you know if i'm buying a chevy i'm not gonna just keep i'm not gonna bounce around to different models if i know that one model is the one that works (laughs) (laughs) that's like my family only buys honda because we know that honda cars are reliable (laughs) yeah i mean it makes sense the green lantern ring could be very very much from earth are the toyota tacomas of green lantern (laughs) So, um, yeah, thank you. That's a, wow, a great we're getting car talk. That's really off brand for us. That's <laughs> all I, too cool. I know that a Toyota is a car and that's all I got. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. All right. Well, I've got, uh, I got one more boom studios book to cover for you guys on the aim list this week. It's mostly a plug to, uh, remind lapsed readers. Don't forget to pick this up in your poll, but also if you're curious, we've got a, we've got a, it's this isn't the jumping on point. Anyways, Seven Secrets number seven. This is the start of a brand new arc. I, I I wanted to explain that one, but I didn't do it very well. Seven Secrets number seven. If the book is called Seven Secrets and you're hitting issue number seven, you know it's going to be a good one. I mean, if you've been doing the Buffy watches with Autumn in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, you know issue number seven, episode number seven is the turning point for any good story, depending on how long the arc is. Uh, this was written by Tom Taylor with art by Danielle Di Nicuolo and. Uh, colors by Walter Biamonte and lettered again by Ed Dukesher, uh, who must uh, be a kind of uh, Boom Studios staple letterer. Um, now, this is the first issue of a new arc, but unlike a lot of independent titles where the the next arc uh, or or 
a lot of series where the new arc is kind of a reset point. This is absolutely a continuation that was like a, hey, we had a nice brief pause. Now back into the action. I would absolutely not recommend yeah. <laughs> you. I would absolutely not recommend you jump in here. But if I might persuade you, if you like what you hear today, out today as well is The Seven Secrets Volume 1, which encapsulates nice. issues 1 through 6. So you can pick this up and uh, the trade and be ready to jump into the the monthly format if you so choose if you if you are tired of trade waiting you can jump right into that now um briefly overall the seven secrets is about a uh, clandestine organization that guards seven briefcases with seven secrets inside of them they are words weapons entire worlds maybe absolutely unfathomable power that must be guarded at all costs every secret has a holder and every holder has a protector as well um and they are in charge of guarding these cases that are never to be opened. But uh, if you've been reading along, you know, of course, anything that you're told not to open is going to get opened at some point. <laughs> there is, um, of course, the evil opposition that are seeking to steal these secrets from the organization. And it's just this amazing story. And I and I joked, it's the best shonen anime you've never read. And I know that you don't read anime, but with the colors and art style, it's very much not uh in the manga tradition but it does feel like a very animated it's almost like if you broke an animation into every single frame and put it into this beautiful comic um it is just so much fun and it follows caspar who is the son the the not illegitimate the illicit son like he wasn't supposed to be uh he wasn't supposed to be born between uh one of the secret holders and then one of the protectors uh and it's all about his deciding to grow up with the order and join and protect one of the seven secrets. Uh, just a really, really cool. All right. Adriana Gonzalez just bought seven secrets. Volume one. I hope you enjoy. This is honestly one of my uh, surprise favorites the, of the last year. Oh, that's the cover. That's the cover. Thank you for pulling that Paul. That is Ooh. the cover um, that was part of the, uh, the issue reprint compilation. We did cover that in the news at one point, but at some point, uh, just before the seventh issue came out, they reprinted every single issue. Some yes. of them were in their fifth printing, fourth printing, third and second. And each uh, issue had slightly more characters on the cover. So Seven Secrets number seven picks up after uh, some very explosive events, which I will not spoil because there are people who might be checking out that full first arc. But uh, you you do get to see uh, kind of the the Seven Secrets organization on the run, on the retreat from uh the conflicts they experience in the first arc and so this one does set up really nicely for the next arc um if you like fantasy and just kind of wild anything goes stories this is absolutely an anything goes story because this seventh issue doesn't even look anything like the sixth issue uh just totally changed the rules of the game uh, and i really don't want to give away too much here but i absolutely love this story so much it is so energetic the characters are so earnest and Tom Taylor and uh, his collaborators have built such an extensive lore um, around these seven secrets and the characters. I mean, the characters just feel so fun and wild because it is a global organization. So you get a lot of really cool, diverse character designs, but just also a wide range of personality types from the kind of career protectors and the very serious and stoic. And then you've got the uh, kind of more energetic, like this is my job and I might as well have fun with it. Cause I could die in service <laughs> to the organization, but like, I'm going to go out with a bang. Uh, and it is just, Oh, it is just so much yeah. fun. Um, if you are able to check out even a preview online of the, um, 
the the trade issue um, or the, the trade collection, I would highly recommend it if you're not already reading it. Paul and I have already covered it several times on this show. Yeah. We just absolutely love this book. But if you are uh, monthly or you were just kind of picking this up as you go, this is your reminder. Pick up number seven because it is back on the shelves. We've got another arc. Uh, 14 yes. Wellington says that he is very intrigued, shown in anime in the form of a comic book. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, those kind of, um, I would get those like jump compilations at San Diego Comic-Con when the Viz Media booth would would put those out and it just had a little bit of Naruto and a little bit of One Piece and like a little bit of everything. And it just reminds me of that kind of energetic mm-hmm. style. And you also get those really hyper, hyper extended, um, like, uh, see, I'm not good at talking about action art, but like the really cool, like forced perspective of a character, like going like, whoa, and like, oh, yeah, things, yeah, 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 with the action lines, just so passionate and it's it's just a fantastic story uh firing on yeah. all cylinders and then the m for this book is 399 it's 32 pages again with a little bit of boom studios bonus material in the back so you get about 28 pages total of story just so much fun and yeah i don't even want to spoil what's going on here but you do see caspar on that cover with uh he is the holder of the seventh secret so that he's got the briefcase on his back nice. there and so he he is the keeper of one of the seven secrets and they don't even know what's inside of their briefcases. That's how secret those secrets are. Uh, but it's so, looks like he's going to Asgard. I, it kind of does. I mean, I, without spoiling too much, there's a rainbow bridge in this one and it's very cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this series so, so much again, boom studios, check that out. Um, just great stuff all around this week. This week was a huge week for comics. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the first Wednesday in the month. Um, I think there's, I think there's, only four Wednesdays in this month. I'm not sure if we get another five Wednesday um, month, uh, but I could be completely wrong. Yeah, just the four. Just the four. Yeah, last month we had five, so so the weeks were a little bit spread out. But we do have a uh, time for a quick rapid fire round. Mm-hmm. If you want, Paul, you want to just read off some of the other books you got this week? Yes. So I read uh, Avengers number forty four, which wraps up the uh, the Phoenix arc. Uh, Star Wars: The High Republic number four. Uh, as for now, moving over to DC Comics, uh, Batman 107, which is so good, is so 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 good. Um, the Swamp Thing number two, and then of course Green Lantern number one, which I had already covered. Now, as far as moving over to some of the independent publishers, that's not the big two. Uh, Noctera number two, which is also firing in all cylinders, absolutely loved it. I mean, I had to, I had to pick up that book. When you have Scott Snyder, when when we have Scott Snyder on the show, you pick up issue two. When Scott Snyder comes knocking, you cannot say no. Yes. Yeah, just, uh, oh, such a good book. It's so good. Of course, Geiger. I also picked up Seven Secrets number seven. Uh, but like someone had said in the comments, I'm also a few issues behind. I think I'm like two. I think the last one I read was like five or four. Um, the Silver Coin and then Fear Case number three by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, Fear Case has been awesome. It's like a if True Detective um, was put into a, a you know a horror comic. I I love it. It's so good. So yeah, that's everything I picked up this week. Pretty pretty small week for me. Nice. I want to show you guys what my list looked like this week because I got to the store and I said, that can't be right. That is like 14, 15 books. Are, are um, there no variants in there? Oh, no. Every oh. single one of these is a different, is a a different comic book. Well, I mean, I did pick up I did pick up the Peach Momoko variant for Avengers. Oh, yeah. That's I had cool. to. It was my girl, She-Hulk. But uh, as you guys saw, we covered, of course, Silver Coin, Magic, and Seven Secrets. But I also got Far Sector number 11. That's only one issue away from the end of Far Sector. Ah! Um, love that book so much. Uh, but that is my only DC poll for this week. And then from Marvel, I've got Marauders number 19, Excalibur number 20, Avengers number 44, King and Black number 5. That is the end of the King and Black book. But there are a few more top 
tie-ins uh, that are wrapping up this week and next. Uh, of course, I've got uh, Runaways number 35 as well. I've got Noctera number two from Image Comics also. And then uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer rounding out my boom uh, pull list because I aimed all of my other boom books. And then from Vault, uh, a, a, another favorite of ours over here. I got Vampire the Masquerade number seven and Hollow Heart number two. That's a follow up oh, on nice. that fantastic uh, cybernetic um, monster love story that I loved so much. That was The Shape of Water meets I Have No Mouth That I Must Scream. So I'm looking forward to diving back into that one. Now, for the final segment of our show, we do have the Holler at the Hall segment. We asked you guys last week uh, a, a really kind of creative question. I mean, I, I, I think. It's very interesting to see what you guys thought, and it was it was a fun walk down imagination lane for Paul and myself. Last week, we asked you, who is your dream creative team to produce an Avengers book for Marvel? We said, no holds barred. You can have whatever you want, anyone you want to hire onto this project. Who do you want creating an Avengers book for Marvel? So... Uh, we had some answers over in the Let Your Geeks Set Show Facebook group. Charles Tett said, writing, I would like to see Chris Claremont and artist would be – and the artist would be Ron Garney. That's a crazy question with how many great writers and artist combinations you could make. Can I have Stan Lee throwing out um, ideas? You absolutely can. Just have him yelling at you in the – in the Marvel bullpen. I would love it. Oh, stand the man. Uh, and Chris and Luann Robinson also kind of couldn't quite decide. So we got a couple of very unique pairings. Close your eyes and imagine, if you will, writing uh, Chris Claremont with art by Todd McFarland with a variant cover by John Romita Jr. I love that they threw in a variant cover. I uh, also love that. Yeah. The writer Alan Moore paired with artist Frank Miller. Oh. Writer John Byrne paired with artist Kevin Eastman of Ninja Turtles fame. And mm -hmm. lastly, Writer Neil Gaiman paired with artist John Romita Jr. Yes. A lot of JR Jr. love. And he's coming back to Marvel. So I mean, that Marvel. would be, yeah. be a perfect project for him. That now, would be great. Paul, what did what who would you like to see? So I had a, I had two. Um my my two uh picks would be Kelly Thompson and Jen Hickman, who worked on uh Jen Hickman had worked on um Lonely not I breathe, Lord the receiver. Not I breathe the body. That's his other book. That's a uh, um, so or Christopher Cantwell writing. Who's you know I absolutely love everything he's doing right now. He's currently writing Iron Man, which I wish I would could cover every issue. But Amy said no, you can't cover eight issues of Iron Man. Fine, um, Chris. Let's we'll uh, turn it into the Iron Man show. <laughs> Iron Man and haha. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Christopher Cantwell. And then art by Christian Ward. That would be oh such a trippy book. Oh my goodness. What? That would be that that would have to have a really interesting Avengers roster as well. Put some put some cosmic or some magic people in that. Um mm -hmm. I personally also would pick Kelly Thompson. I really want to see her reunite with Mattia de Ulis, get a really oh, cinematic yes. looking uh version of the Avengers. I'm stoked for Mattia to be on, of course, my favorite superhero. Uh, Jane Foster with the Mighty Valkyries mm -hmm. coming up very soon with uh, Jason Aaron and Theron Grombeck. But he did do some uh, pages for uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers as well. We got that uh, Howard Stark flashback with Mephisto. Oh, right. Um, so I think that could be a really interesting uh, cinematic version of the Avengers. Kelly Thompson has also written quite a few of the Avengers by this point. I mean, she's had She-Hulk guest star in her book. She's got Captain Marvel. I think she's written some Cap dialogue as well. Uh, I know she can write Iron Man. She's She's kind of done 
all of that. And then my wild card pick would be uh, Chip Zdarsky writing with Fiona Staples if we could persuade her uh, to do the adventure. I, I just, I'm just selfishly, I really want more Fiona Staples. Now, I know that Jasmine, our moderator, also had some answers for this one. So, Jazz, do you want to come in real quickly and tell us who you'd pick as well? Yeah. Hi, Jazz. So, my pick would immediately. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> My pick would be um, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. I mean, they absolutely, they did a great job with the young Avengers and the, the actual Avengers, although like infected by mother and stuff at the time, did make appearances within that comic. So they know how to write them. Um, Jamie obviously oh, draws yeah. them so gorgeously, you know, so it's already set up right there. So if they could get their own Avengers run, I think it would be super fun. Marvel calls them back and says, boys, we've upgraded you from the young ones to the real ones. <laughs> that's it. Right. That's, that's quite a promotion over at Marvel. Mm -hmm. no, that, I absolutely agree, especially with all of Jamie's beautiful costume design work for character characters yeah. uh, like Carol and others that fill the ranks. Just oh, mm -hmm. it would be an absolute mm -hmm. uh, perfect fit. Yes, it would be. All, all right, right, everyone. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show there. Thank you have another so much. We do have another question for you guys we for sure next do. week, though. Uh, so this this one's a great question, kind of spurred on by my own uh, purchasing habits. I was uh, <laughs> looking at my credit card bill recently. Uh, our next question for April 14th is, have you ever backed a comic book on Kickstarter? Uh, yes. I mean, we've even had with, with Noctera and Berserker. Of course, those did gangbusters Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, but have you ever backed anything on Kickstarter that is a comic, an independent publisher's creation, an anthology book? Uh, maybe you backed Noctera or Berserker. We want to hear about it and maybe what inspired you. Uh, just just really great uh, resource for comics. And I think I've got like I think I've got like six pledges for independent books. I, I want to know I'm, that I'm not alone. <laughs> I think I'm I've got two right now. Nice. I can't remember what they are. But well, that's we'll for another episode. For we sure that's will. <laughs> so we will uh, post that up on our social media. You can also find it in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. We'll post that up by Friday. Uh, Want to hear about your books uh, that you've backed on Kickstarter? Feel free to tell us about them. It can, or you can just say simply yes or no. Um, if you didn't know that uh, comic books were a place or Kickstarter was a place for comic books, maybe take this weekend and do some browsing. We'd love to hear uh, what you discover there. Uh, but we'll get back to you guys next week. We have a, a another great show. I think it's an a normal one in terms of whatever normal means for our show. It's not an event show or anything coming up, but we'll hopefully be back to our regular tech setup. Yes. Uh, and we'll be here for you guys with all the new releases from April 14th. That'll be exciting. It can be a big week. That will be a big week. Thank you guys so much for joining us here and sticking through the tech troubles. We hope you found something that you uh, didn't consider earlier this week. Find a new story that you love. Uh, always appreciate you guys showing up. You can always reach out to us, of course, at the comics hall, uh, on I know we don't have the, <laughs> the handy dandy little lower thirds um, at the comics hall on Instagram, yeah. Twitter, and Facebook, or you can email us at the comics hall at sideshow.com. Just make yes. sure you get your ats correct, but it's the comics Please hall. Please do yes. pretty much anywhere. Uh, yeah. But until then, we will see you guys next week. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been the comics hall. This has been the comics hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek sideshow. show.